0: It's Saturday, and FRPC Hoops is back with you. Vince Carter is doing his podcast, and we have had an NBA trade. Hell has frozen over. Uh, the long, long anticipated trade from the Toronto Raptors, per Adrian Wojnarowski of ESPN, <clears throat> the Toronto Raptors send OG and Anobi. Precious Achua, and Malachi Flynn to the Knicks for R.J. Barrett, Emmanuel Quickly, and a 2024 second-round pick, which turns out to be Detroit's pick, which right now looks like it's going to be the 31st overall pick if everything stays the same. So we're going to go over everything in this trade. We're going to go over all the reactions. We're going to go over um, uh, some of the things that might be spawned from this trade and everything like that. So we got a pretty deep show, plus some other rumors that I had dug up yesterday. So, but let's get to the trade. Masai Jerry waited, and then he waited, and then he waited some more. Remember, a couple seasons ago... OG Ananobi, it was three first-round picks, right? Um, But with running out of time on what to do with Ananobi, I will say in light of the clock ticking on the expiring contracts of Siakam and Gary Trent Jr., it was really just time to go ahead and pull the trigger. So, the thing that I actually like about the trade is this, is that people also want to talk about rebuild. We'll talk about that in a second. Um, receiving Barrett and Quickly from the New York Knicks and surrounding Scotty Barnes with some shooting, and I'm talking about Quickly, not Barrett. We know about the shooting woes with Barrett. But Barrett is a capable... Like, second side initiate a little bit. You know, he's more of an ancillary piece, but I'm very excited to me personally about quickly in this deal. Because we're going to talk about his numbers in a second. We're going to get into that. But he is capable on ball or off ball. He also just gives them another guy who, when the clock is getting close to the end, Give him the ball and see what he can do with it. Also, he's going to get more minutes this way. Now, you can look at it the other way. You were feasting on backup point guards. And you were putting up six man of the year numbers in New York. You can look at it both ways. But right now, we're looking at it like, hey, listen, we got some shooting around Scotty Barnes and Pascal Siakam, and they need it, because I'm going to tell you right now, Gary Trent Jr. on his own, and Grady Dick, their first-round pick out of Kansas, who has not shot it well yet, they needed some sort of upgrade and injection of long-range shooting on this team. I'm going to get into something my guy Nico said, too. Shouts out to our guy, he had some uh, thoughts on on the Raptors. Uh, the first thing he said was that uh, he finally will probably rid himself of Scotty Barnes commercials. Because I guess up in Canada, they run nothing but Scotty Barnes commercials. So, he might get a, a respite now with uh, R.J. Barrett up there. A actual Canadian. So... Let's get into this trade a little bit more. For the Raptors, Quickly is the jewel of this trade. Another creator, but a shooter. That's the key point. Quickly excels in playing off ball. Here's the thing. 71.9% of his three-point shots are assisted. Okay? So, that just lets you know that he can be a catch-and-shoot guy. Right now, quickly is having career highs in effective field goal percentage, which is 54.9, free throw percentage, which is 87.2, and his true shooting percentage is now 59.8. Adding a movement shooter um, who is not afraid of the moment is critical to what Toronto is doing, because here's the thing. There were reports earlier, I want to say, I want to say earlier this week in regards to we do not want to rebuild. Actually, I think I have those comments somewhere. But <clears throat> there was just a point in time where they just said they didn't want to rebuild. So this trade is kind of allowing them to get younger. And they're getting instead of sitting there and banking on talent that is coming down the line two, three years from now with trade, with draft picks and things of that nature, they're getting guys that can help them now. The Raptors can move Barrett to either the three or the the two, however they want to play it. Remember that Gary Trent Jr. is still there, okay? Let's get into this right now there's not going to be a rebuild. It's going to be a reimagining. I personally think that Pascal Siakam is going to be traded. Nico believes that this is the reimagined. What you see with this trade is what you get, and this is it. I am in the opposite corner. I believe that If you can turn 28, almost 30 or 28, almost 29 year old Pascal Siakam into a 24, 22 year old guy with length, you know, or whatever case may be, that might be something to really sink your teeth into. And we'll get into maybe a couple of things that they could actually do with that as far as that's concerned, a little bit down the road. Um, If you look at the lineup for Toronto, and then we'll get to the Knicks in a second, if you have Pascal Siakam, Gary Trent Jr., Scotty Barnes, and Quickly and Purtle in the lineup, Scotty's been shooting it very well. You add Quickly, and Trent has turned it around lately. So now you have three guys on the court, so you open up lanes for Pascal, this might help the trade value situation right there. Um, and then it just makes your offense a little more free-flowing. It makes it um, easier on the eyes. It's, it's hard to watch a Toronto Raptor game before this trade. But I think also you're going to be injected with some just some juice because Emmanuel quickly is going to get shots up. I think the pairing of Scotty Barnes and Quickly, I would say it would be like a 99 cent version of Draymond and Steph. OK, <laughs> we're going to pump the brakes on, you know, you know, it's not it's not like that, but it can be effective. And I think when you get guys, especially like Quickly, who's been just starving for opportunity, he's been coming off the bench. Um, he's somehow he's not a Tibbs guy. Um, and I don't mean that like in a way of he diminishing returns. I'm just saying that Tibbs has a certain type of type of player and, you know, Manuel quickly size, what have you. There were some limitations with him in the eyes of Tom Thibodeau, but I think quickly is a. Decent defensive guard. He's actually willing. He's quick enough. So lateral quickness is not going to be an issue. And then it's just more. What else is he going to provide? Is the opportunity and the more volumes of shots. Will the efficiency stay exactly the same. Or tick up. Or if it does stay the same. I mean you got a really good player. If it ticks up. You might be. I wouldn't say. I wouldn't say all the way there, but I would say you would be in the vapor trail of like a Tyrese Maxi. So that's what you're looking at with Quickly going to Toronto. Now, I I told you I had some numbers for you, so let's get into it. Um, Quickly's on off, okay? His on off his rating is a plus 8.5, went off the court. Their rating was a negative 3.7. So he has an offensive rating of 12.2. That's an impactful player no matter where he is. And listen, stats can tell lies all day long. But sometimes when you look at the game and if you see when quickly comes into the game, he does provide them with some electricity. I say with the Knicks, but I think he'll also provide this with the Toronto Raptors as well. I just wanted to give you that just as a just a little quick little kind of um, temperature check into what quickly is and what he actually could be. Because make no mistake about it. This trade is a prove it trade for both teams because we're going to get into the Ananobi thing. Let's get into the quickly thing real quick. Jalen Brunson was the starting point guard or is the starting point guard of the New York Knicks. He is excellent. This dude is averaging like 27 points a game. Quickly is also a small guard. Unfortunately, you can't play those guys together very much because you're just going to get absolutely eaten up on the defensive side of the ball. This was the only way it was going to make sense. He was needed to go to his another team. And also, in a sense, he probably ended up in a really good situation because Quickly is not a great um, facilitator if you said, hey, I want you to be the point guard of the team. But as a secondary facilitator, he can do that. He can definitely close out on, he can definitely attack closeouts. He can definitely get his own shot. Uh, He can hit the open man, just basic stuff. But Scotty Barnes is the point guard, and this allows more Scotty Barnes Playmaking ability, because now we get to the Knicks. What did the Knicks get in this deal? Okay, somehow the Knicks uh, quickly was frustrating to, like I said, it's more of the body type and more of just his limitations. It had nothing to do with the player, the heart, whatever. I think Toronto will be able to use them correctly, and you'll get more out of them. But it's hard to argue the production and the instant juice that quickly injected when given the, the playing time. In Ananobi, the Knicks get a functional Tibbs player, and I'll talk to you about that in a second. Long arms, big body defender—the thing that Barry couldn't do. He was just slow a foot. Um, he was a blow-by guy. Maybe now on the Raptors because you do have some long wings. And also, you know, Gary Trent Jr. is not a, he's not a net negative. You know, he's probably just a, you know, middle of the road guy. Um, You can hide Barrett a little bit more on that team. Plus also, Yaka kurtle is a really good um, deterrent at the rim. So this actually might help Garrett a lot. But with Ananobi, you get a long arm guy. He's going to provide um, also a willingness to shoot open threes. Barrett, he pumped up his uh, volume attempts of threes this year to about five. Here's the thing with um, OG Ananobi. He shoots six of them per game. Okay? He also is a better shooter, and we'll get into those numbers in one second. This also relieves the bottleneck that you have between Grimes, Hart, and DiVincenzo. They were griping early in the year about time and touches, and you know it's hard to get into a rhythm if you don't get the ball. Maybe now this opens up more minutes and opportunities for those guys. This actually also might reimagine what Devin Jensel is, and he just becomes the backup point guard. Okay. Um, Extension talk. Leon Rose, obviously, he runs the Knicks. Sam Rose is OG Ananobi's agent. If you know the Knicks, you know they're in bed with uh, CAA. It's it's not a long... um, see hold on it's not a secret in any way form or fashion but it's one of those things that uh we are it's just funny but this is the kind of trade that you get to make and also um you know the when you get the agents involved maybe this is also the situation where you get uh where you get what am I trying to say um the deal kind of it gets it gets made a little easier, you know um also here's the other thing o g n novi for like the last year has been talking about forty million dollars annually um per source heard that they have kind of backed off that number, so I think there's gonna be something done because you don't make this trade for Ananobi if you don't think he's going to be part of your future so expect that extension with Ananobi to be coming along if not very shortly definitely in the off season. I don't know how they want to deal with that um let's see oh Ananobi shooting like 30 38 percent from three you know RJ Barrett is a career like thirty three percent three pointer from three. He's also a like a forty two percent shooter from the field. Where you get OG Ananobi, he's who's close to fifty percent. You are getting a quintessential three and D guy starring in his role. Now the one other thing I will say about Ananobi, he complained a lot in Toronto about um being the. Like a offensive, a, a offensive initiator. He did. He wanted to do it. They didn't get him the opportunity to do it. And now here we are in this situation. I don't think he's going to get necessarily more of opportunity to do it there. Um, but we'll see. I think with Jalen Brunson and Julius Randle, he'll just have to fall into a role. And we'll just see about it. Now, Precious Achua in the deal, I will tell you right now, a lot of people will sit here and go, oh, well, it's a throw-in. And nine times out of ten, it is. But keep in mind, Mitchell Robinson had that injury. He's going to be out. Precious Achua. (laughs) Here's the one thing about Precious Achua. He has size. The Knicks could use that behind Hardenstein. Who is a career backup, but he can also play well in a starting role for the Knicks. But Jericho Sims is too small, and Zombie Taj Gibson is just not something that you want to parade out there on a consistent basis. So, Crescent Zituo being 6'9, six, 6'10, six, uh, athletic, um, can provide some rim protection. That's why he was in the deal. And you know, Tibbs. He doesn't want to play small ball to save his life. He wants to play with a big. He wants to play with some um some force, some might. And he feels the only way to do that is when you got bigs. So, of course, precious Achua was going to be in this deal. Okay, Malachi Flint. All I can say is congratulations, man. You're a New York Nick. You get to wear the uniform. You get to go out in New York City. I don't know how much playing time you're going to get, but that's really, he didn't do anything in Toronto. He came out of San Diego State. He's kind of like your old school coin guard, get you initiated in the offense. But in today's game, you got to provide some offense. And so far, Malachi Flint, Flynn has not been able to create his own shot, and that's going to be always a problem. So my man gets to wear the Nick uniform, orange and blue. Tim's every you know orange and blue skies. Tim's up in the air everywhere, but I don't know how much he's gonna actually play. So that's the trade. Here's the thing: who won the trade? Toronto or New York? Hit me up on X formerly known as Twitter, at FrontRunnerPC. Or also hit up my guy Nico at NicoFRPC. We have some other things that we need to get to because this is the last episode of the 2023. So I had a whole other thing planned before the trade went down, but we're going to get to that now. Um, I am not going to do the news and notes. I'm going to get into the actual thing that I was going to do for you guys. And I was having the conversation and I was talking about like the, um, the best rookie seasons of all, of all time. Now, remember I'm old. Right. I'm 50. So I've seen like magic and I saw birds rookie seasons. That's how old I am. Right. You might think that was in black and white. It wasn't. It was actually in color. So what I thought to do, and I don't want to bore people. So I didn't go far back. I just went last 20 years. So basically since 2000, you know, so 23, 24 years whatever. And I wanted to talk about some of the rookie seasons that have stood out now. If I miss some or if there's like some omissions or or whatever, um, you know, let me know. Hit me up on X. Hit me up on formerly known as Twitter at FrontRunnerPC. Also, you can get at me on, um, in the comments on the YouTube channel because I'm sure there's going to be breakout videos of all of these things, but, um we're trying to build the community. The only way to build the community is you tell a partner and then your partner tells a partner. So, we need to get on that. So, I'm looking at some of the best rookie years. So, we're going to talk about some of the best rookie seasons in last since the 2000 season. Um, The reason why I was doing this is because I was having a conversation about who who had some of the best rookie years and, you know, how impactful was it and things of that nature. And we were going back and forth and it just got me thinking about, you know, just some of the great rookie rookie years. But there is a reason for this and we're going to get into it at the end. But I just want to I want to highlight some guys and I want to. Talk about it a little bit, and then uh, we're going to get to why I thought of this. So, Luka Doncic's rookie season for the Dallas Mavericks, he averaged 21.2 points a game, 7.8 rebounds a game, 6 assists, and 1.1 steals a game. His efficiency in Luca's rookie season was a little rough. But you saw the aggression and you saw the fearlessness of the moment with luminaries like Dirk Nowitzki still on the team and established vets like Tim Hardaway Jr., Harrison Barnes, DeAndre Jordan, and Wesley Matthews Jr. You just saw a guy who's like, listen, I'm just going to let you know right now, going forward. I'm the Mavs star attraction. I'm the number one player. We're going to have to go ahead and let that be known right now. He definitely established that in his rookie season. He went on to win Rookie of the Year. He was also on the All-NBA Rook- Rookie Team. He shot 32 32.7% from three-point land. He had an effective field goal percentage of just 49.7%. And, but he did shoot 6.7 free throw attempts a game. So that just lets you know that the efficiency wasn't there, but he definitely announced his presence. And he did that on a 33-49, and 49, you know, Mavericks team that was led by Dirk Nowinski, which was on his last leg. You know, he was going out and things of that nature. So, But he put up an awesome rookie year. Which is great. You know. um, Blake Griffin. Same thing. Looking at Blake's year. And Blake. Now keep in mind. (coughs) Excuse me. Let me take a sip of soda here. You know. Got a little cool. Alright. So Blake. Remember. He was injured his first year. And then. He just took off his second year. Um, twenty-two point half, twenty-two and a half points a game, twelve point one rebounds a game. He had three point eight assists, and he had a bunch of amazing dunks that ended up on ESPN Sports Center. Um, and remember, this is pre Chris Call. so this was the Baron Davis era of the Clippers um so he was amazing it was his second season so he had a year training and stuff like that but he did not play any games his rookie year and uh came in like gangbusters so blake had a great start carl anthony towns i want to give a shout out to carl anthony towns his rookie year was it was truly amazing he averaged 18.3 points a game 10 and a half rebounds two assists and 1.7 blocks a game. This, this is the first sight of what I thought was like the evolution of NBA basketball. You know, Cat showed perimeter skill and competency with the basketball in his hand. And, you know, he was going to stroke it from three. And he did that consistently. Consistently enough where, hey, we're going to allow you to do this going forward. And now, as he says, okay, this is a quote from Carl Anthony Towns I am the best big man shooting of all time. I'm the best big man shooter of all time. That's what that's a quote from Cat. We'll see. All right. Now, keep in mind, Minnesota 29 and 53, his rookie year. All right. So, so far. We haven't had a bunch of, like, real exciting people in a sense of, <clears throat> um, you know, winning records and things of that nature. Chris Paul. The the legend of Chris Paul starts in his rookie year. Okay, the Wake Forest product put up 16.1 points a game, 7.8 assists. He averaged 5.1 rebounds. Now keep in mind Chris Paul is 6 feet tall. He also averaged 2.2 steals a game. There was no other NBA draft pick in the 2000s who put up 15 points 5 rebounds, 5 assists and 2 steals or 2 blocks in a season. Nobody has done it. Not Shaq. Well Shaq wasn't in it. Not LeBron. Not any of these dudes have put up those numbers as of yet, okay. Um Paul struggled with his fit his efficiency, no doubt, uh, but truly his stats were less the the spotlight, but his intangibles were the spotlight because when he came into the league, he took at the time the Hornets And they won 20 more games his rookie season. Okay. So they went from 18 and 64 to 38 and 44 in his rookie season. Now we get to Donovan Mitchell. Now, Donovan Mitchell did not win rookie of the year. Remember, that was Ben Simmons, and the gripe was. Ben Simmons had also missed his rookie year with an injury, but one rookie of the year because he had never played. So Mitchell's numbers, <clears throat> he actually was on a playoff team. That's the first and foremost thing. But 20 20 and a half points a game, 3.7 assists a game, 1.5 steals. He shot 34% from behind the three-point arc. On seven attempts. Here's the thing: it's league. It's less than league average at the point, but the willingness to shoot it. We all hey, when you a star, the willingness to shoot is what we're talking about. Um. Also remember, this is the he came right in right after the Gordon Hayward situation because Gordon left for Boston, so. He basically kept it going. They went from a 51-win team to a 48-win team. So nothing really changed with them. They just kept it moving, and Donovan Mitchell was the offensive spark plug that they needed to do that with. Now this gets us to John Morant. John Morant came to Memphis, a bunch of swag, a bunch of explosive plays, and my man did disappoint. He was the second overall pick right behind Zion. 17.8 17.8 points a game, 7.3 assists a game, 3.9 rebounds a game, and he also averaged the steal. They went 34 and 39 that year. That was the bubble year, right? Um, but his here is the thing that he he brought to them. Remember, before Ja, it was grit and grind. It was slow pace. So. The year before Ja, Memphis Grizzlies were 30th in pace out of 30 teams. When Ja gets there, they're sixth in pace. So, what a difference one guy can make, right? Damian Lillard showed out. He showed out for Oakland, California. He showed out for Weber State. He showed out for Modelo's commercials. He just showed out. Okay. Um, and he showed out for Rip City. 19 points a game. Six and a half assists a game. Um, and a steal in three rebounds a game. Um, he shot 36.8% from three that year. And their record was 33 and 49. But he definitely was letting people know that damn time was going to be on the map. <clears throat> now we get to LeBron and LeBron's rookie year. Um, I want to kind of talk about it a little bit. and He's not really the focus of this whole situation. We'll get to that guy in a second, but LeBron's rookie year. I want to talk about what he actually went through because I think uh, I don't know if a lot of people know um, because Especially if you're growing up like in the YouTube generation and you, you know, you TikTok and all that sort of thing. Um, when LeBron came into the league, as well documented. He was considered the chosen one, King James, all of these things. These were monikers that he w- he went by. These are things that were given to him or whatever occasion may be. But, uh. Coach Paul Silas, longtime coach of a lot of teams, but he also coached LeBron James in his rookie year. RIP to our guy Paul Silas, and shout out to Stephen Silas, his son, um, for the passing of his dad. He tells the story to Jackie McMullen, who was at ESPN at the time, and also like in the Hall of Fame, the NBA Hall of Fame for writers. As far as so, um. But he tells a story about the players in the team. They were just so salty when LeBron came aboard. And they kept on trying to freeze him out that year. Even still, LeBron averaged 21.6 assists, 5.5 rebounds, 1.6 steals a game. And he drugged that team to 35 wins. Paul Silas said that team had no business winning 35 games with the demeanor of which certain um vets on that team most notably Eric Snow also Carlos Boozer who is now the son is now the father of the of the Boozer bros who are killing it and about to be like a I think one of them is definitely a lottery pick in the 2025 NBA draft. God, I've seen his whole career. Now I'm going to see his sons. Freaky. Um, so keep in mind, like, it wasn't all peaches and cream for LeBron James when he walked into the league because his vets were sweating him about just being great. Dwayne Wade and Melo. We'll just put them together because they came in the same class. Dwayne Wade, 16 points a game, 4 rebounds, 4.5 assists, 1.4 steals a game. Carmelo Anthony averaged 21 points a game, 6 rebounds, 2.8 assists, and 1.2 steals a game. So those are some of the memorable rookie campaigns. The reason why I bring this up is that Chet Holmgren is having an astounding rookie year. And I just want to kind of break it down because I got some notes in whatever case it be, but here's the basic premise of it. The Oklahoma City Thunder are 20-6, okay? This is one of the best teams in the NBA record-wise right now. Shea Gilgis Alexander is their, is their star. He is easily top 10, i argue top 5. He's playing like an MVP caliber player every single game. He's cooking other MVP candidates. But our guy Chet, after taking a year off to deal with a foot injury, Chet has seemingly settled in as a core player. And he seems to be second in importance when it comes to OKC. Let's talk about some of the numbers, shall we? 17.5 points a game. 7.8 rebounds a game. 2.5 assists a game. In 2.7 blocks a game, which is third in the NBA. Now, his free throw percentage is 84.1%. His effective field goal percentage is 59.9. His three-point shooting percentage is 37.2 on four attempts. And his true shooting percentage is... 64.2. 64.2 now listen these numbers aren't here to just be like oh well uh you know I'm just gonna throw a bunch of numbers at you so I can sound smart I'm getting to a point we're not done with the numbers yet his defensive plus minus uh, his defensive box plus minus is 2.1 which is 10th overall in the league his defensive rating is one of their defensive rating is 107.8 his offensive rating is 1. point is 123 his plus minus per 100 possessions is on court it's plus 9.2 off court plus 3.2 um now here's the other thing their defensive rating last year was one hundred and fourteen point two this year with Chet on the court is hundred and twelve point three. Doesn't sound like a lot, but hold on for a second. Last year they were fourteenth in the NBA in defensive rating this year. And remember what what did I say the record was? Twenty and nine, Twenty and nine. I think I said twenty and six. Sorry about that. So that 112.3 has them sixth in the NBA. Their net rating last year was one, it was a plus one point one, which was fourteenth in the NBA. Their net rating right now is 7.6, which is third in the NBA. So keep in mind some of the teams that we talk about winning a championship. We talk about Boston. We talk about <clears throat> Um. Philly we talk about Milwaukee we talk about who else Denver obviously you know uh Minnesota you know we throw in the we throw in the Phoenixes of the world and whatever and all the, I don't throw in Phoenix you can't right now until we see what they're like, but these numbers show that this team can compete for a championship now. I don't know if they're in have any appetite to make a trade or anything like that. If they could beef up their front court and get a guy with some size, not just actual height, but some strength to him to help Chet on that back line, that would be helpful. Um, and maybe like another wing vet would also be health- helpful. Just because of the fact that we know that right now they have Chet, they have SGA, and they have Jalen Williams from Santa Clara, J-Dub. And you can say that they have their three. I'm not saying that, but I'm just saying as young as it is and as talented as it is, I'm going to go ahead and make that statement. They have their three. It's It's not that they need to bring in. This high quality, you know, I got to bring in, you know, top five player in the league. You got one of those. It looks like you have a top 30 player in Chet. And then you might have a top 50 player in Jalen Williams. So it's not necessarily a big splash. But I harking back to the Ananobi deal. Now, you saw what he went for. And, and remember i think masai wanted more players than picks but you probably could have got a premium pick from okc and they had a couple dudes but i think what toronto was actually looking for was established guys people who had done it in the nba and done it with you know regular consistency and things of that nature so i don't blame OKC for not pulling the trigger, but I wonder if we'll look back at the end of the year and go, huh, I wonder if they should have made that Ananobi trade. Because here's the thing. We can talk about windows all we want. But championship windows come and go. And you might think that OKC has this long gated run- run- runway. To go ahead and make a bunch of late playoff runs. You know, the way this team is set up. I mean, I can see you saying to yourself, hey, they should do this for, like, the next six years. Like, this year should be, like, the coming out party. You know, we get to the playoffs. We, you know, we scare a couple people. Whatever. But from that point on, you're thinking, like, okay, conference finals. Maybe NBA finals. You know, a couple years later, it's like, we need a chip. But you think you have a long, long runway to get it done. And I'm going to tell you, those runways, because of player movement and because of draft picks, that runway goes away like that. So, not saying that I think them not making this move was a bad choice. I'm just saying that. Let's kind of remember this date, right? December 30th, 5 o'clock Pacific Standard Time. That OG Ananobi is now Nick. And I wonder if somebody like that would have been helpful for OKC. But I wanted to shout out Chet because the stroke is good. I believe he is the rookie of the year. I'm not afraid to say it. Um, with the array of spin moves and slick, decisive drives that he has, he's he's competent with the basketball. He can attack closeout. Again, he shoots it at a respectable level. At the three-point line, you have to guard him. You have to respect it. And he is such a instinctive defensive player. He just provides such a different tone for that OKC team that they didn't have last year. And you can see the difference between last year and this year. And the numbers bear it out. And that's why I gave them to you. All right. Um, Let's get to the news and notes. And then we'll get up out of here. Because there's things that I need to watch on TV. All right. Bradley Bill is back in Phoenix. He only scored like six points. But he's back. Listen. At this point. A healthy body. At this point. Just healthiness at this point is good um so he's played in six games this year and remember i put out a clip but it was also part of a podcast that i had put ad and bill and kind of made the analogy if you were if you were to date a ig model basically you know Go back and get the archive pods and check those out. You can get them. They're available on Apple, Spotify, Amazon Music, or wherever you enjoy your podcast. You know what I'm saying? But with Bill, right now it's just like, let's get let's get chemistry with D and Kevin Durant. I don't care if he scored six points. I don't care if he scored 20 points. I don't care what he scored. They just need healthy, available bodies on that team. The emergence of of Kaminga and Brandon Krasinski in Golden State have moved Wiggins to maybe possibly available and maybe he can be high in the trade. So Andrew uh Andrew Wiggins, formerly of the Minnesota Timberwolves, came over in the deal that sent D'Angelo to Minnesota and Andrew to Golden State, won the championship. He was probably the second most important player on that team in regards to his uh output and his production. Because of just Maybe a little bit of last year lingering and the slow start he got off to. And Kaminga's emergence, he might be on the trade block. Hmm. Toronto made a trade just recently. Could they bring in the second Canadian? I don't know. Just a thought. Oh, I have a trade for this, and here's the thing. I wrote this yesterday, so I did not know that Ananobi was going to get traded today. So, I was talking about a Wiggins, Moody, and um, Santos trade for Ananobi and Boucher. So then, the Golden State Warriors can have more size. But you can take Ananobi out and put Siakam in this deal. Easy. You know what I'm saying? So, and I, there were some picks that went along with it. But, and though he's already traded, I wonder what Golden State's next move will be, honestly, at this point. <laughs> I'll get to that in a second. Okay, it looks like the Lakers are leaning more, less in the direction of Levine. Now, I told you on this podcast in the last two or three weeks, I did not want Zach Levine on the team. And then also, I didn't know if the Lakers really had the appetite for Zach Levine. Um, And I think there have been some rumors that they've been poking around Dorian Finney-Smith and Royce O'Neal of the Nets. So keep a lookout for that. I don't know what else there is to say about the Detroit Pistons. I mean 28 losses in a row, they're 2 and 29. We went over the Eastern Conference quarter recap. Go check your archive pods. It was the 100th episode as well. It was excellent. We talked about Detroit a lot there. But the reason why I want to bring this up because now every time they lose, it's a record. You know, they're just breaking their own record at this point. The long-standing record of 26 losses, they blew right past that. They're playing tonight. We'll see how that pans out. So if you get this pod tomorrow, you know if they are at 29, lo- 29 losses in a row or they stop the losing streak. But I do know this. With OG Ananobi traded, guess what? This is a chance for Detroit to win. So shouts out to the Pistons and good luck, guys. The other reason why I wanted to bring this up is because Dwight Howard, formerly of the Lakers, Houston, Orlando Magic, you know, slam dunk champion, Dwight Howard, also getting the news or some other stuff that we're not going to get to on this program, but um, yeah, look that up whenever you get a chance, you know what I'm saying? But Dwight Howard was trolling Cade Cunningham and talking about, you know, it's You know, it's cool over here in Thailand, and, you know, you're losing all these games. Hey, bro, two things. One, you tried to come back to the NBA this year. You wanted to work out and play for Golden State this year. You, who is making more money in Taiwan, wanted to be here in the NBA lifestyle. So, my man, I'm going to need you to pump your brakes. On trolling somebody who is actually in the NBA. All right, we got a couple more things to get to, and then I'm gonna get up out of here. But uh, I want to thank you guys again for you know downloading the podcast. Man, it's so great. We getting like people from Belgium are like downloading podcasts. It's amazing. So shouts out to you guys, and I want to wish you guys a happy new year and a prosperous twenty fourth. And here are the last couple things that I want to get to. One, the last piece of information, um, like news and notes. Did, did y'all see the uh, quote by Scoot Henderson? <clears throat> okay, first of all, I am a big Scoot Henderson supporter, the rookie, who was the third overall pick in the NBA draft last offseason. He said this, I'm still trying to get rookie of the year. That's still up in the air, I think. Um. Okay. I love Scoot's uh, passion. I love Scoot's aggressiveness. I love how highly he thinks of himself. I really do like that. I don't think he really has a chance at Rookie of the Year, but he's playing better, and I'm glad that he's playing better, and he's feeling a lot better about himself. I knew it was going to take some time because he he isn't a really good shooter. I know it will come because he just works so hard. And I think Portland is a team that I, I really like their young pieces. I do. I really like Shaden Sharp, and I really like Scoot Henderson. Shouts out to uh, Joe Cronin and uh, Mike Schmitz, who are in that building, um, building that young team. Now, we have something to leave you off with, all right? We're coming up on the New Year's. We're coming up on a time where people start reflecting. We're coming up on a time where, you know, you kind of start prioritizing things. So, we gave you the three wishes for the NBA in the archive pods, right? But now we're going to have some New Year hopes. We just have some hopes for New Year. Um, The first one, it's not really a hope. Well, it is a hope. I take that back. I'm just going to say right now, this is a FRPC exclusive. I was wrong. In regards to the point guard situation in San Antonio, when the year started, I thought it was a good idea. Let's give Wingby a bunch of runway so he can just, you know, develop his skills and see what works and doesn't work in the NBA. Now that we're about 30 games into it, can we get this man a point guard? That's my question. I just you know, can we we've seen the experiment. The experiment doesn't work. Can we just get him a point guard? The other hope (laughs) don't let Levine wear a Chicago Bulls uniform again. I think the way they've been playing, the style of play, the energy, the juice that Kobe White has provided. I think that you cut your losses and maybe you look at Toronto and see them and be inspired and see what you can do in trying to get Zach Levine to another location and get a couple pieces back for him. Um I like to give Detroit Pistons a time machine. Now I know that's not a hope because we don't have time machines as of yet, unless Area 51, there's a time machine, and we do have aliens among us, and we somehow reverse-engineered some stuff. I don't know, but if we had a time machine, we might have made some trades for some shooters for the Detroit Pistons in the off season, so they wouldn't have lost all these games, so... Trade for some shooting. Trade Troy Weaver. Trade for some shooting. Help Cade out. <clears throat> Our fourth hope. Can we get some help for Steph Curry? The young kids are great. I love the energy they bring. But has been uh, really good. Kaminga has really turned it on been more aggressive, and Trace Jackson Davis has been uh, really good in the role that he's played. But can we get Steph Curry another legitimate threat so he's not being constantly harassed by two and three individuals on a basketball court? My next hope is that uh, usually, usually, A lot of people decide that they are going to become healthier in the uh, new year. Usually they started on January 1st. Um, I'm also hoping and encouraging this for Zion Williamson. Um, Again, this is more habits. You know, no fat shaming here. I am a fluffy guy myself. Sexy is all get out, but fluffy, right? But I'm also not making $47 million and getting paid by an NBA team to stay at a certain weight. So there's that. I can eat a uh, smoked barbecue uh, ruffle lays or ruffles with the ridges. No, not ruffles. is lays with the ridges. You know what I'm saying? I love wavy lays. Barbecue potato chips. They're great um i highly recommend those but i'm eating less of those i've been eating less of those i've been losing some poundages you know i hope y'all see it in the face and everything you know i hope y'all getting this but our guy zion needs to go ahead and get serious about his career so i hope with 2024 on the horizon Zion looks around, sees that his team is pretty good, and, you know, the the West is open. There's a lot of young contenders out there, and I like the Pelicans to be part of that. Oh, this is what I want for the Pacers. Now, what I really want is defense, but what I really want is a force field. And some sharks with laser beams attached to their head. Because the Pacers are awful at defense. We all know it. They need to get some defense. There needs to be some resistance. Just a little bit. You can't score 140 every single game and win. There's going to be some times where other defenses are going to stop you. And you're going to get to 118, 122, but yet they're going to be at 135 because you can't play any defense whatsoever. All right. So that is my hope for the Pacers is to get some defense. I know Rick Carlisle is probably losing his mind because of all the points that the Pacers are giving up. But. The Indiana Pacers play an exciting style brand of basketball. We love it. We love Tyrese Halliburton. We just need some defense when it comes to that. And then I think with that being said, my hope for all of you is that uh, you guys enjoyed the podcast. One, um, it's been a labor of love this year, and we can't wait to see you in the new year. Um, and we'll be back. and. Amen. Have a great New Year's Eve tomorrow. Kiss your loved one that you're going to be with, but stay safe out there and be easy. And we out. See you in 2024.